0: The fun thing, I think, for this particular book is that it's not auto-fiction. Like, very little of it can be correlated, like, one-to-one to, like, my own direct experience or my own life. But quite a lot of the dishes that I referred to have had some role in my life, even if it's only because, you know, it's something that I shared with a friend.
1: This is Taste. I'm your host, Eliza Barbonell. Brian Washington is a writer from Houston whose latest novel, Family Meal, is an intimate portrayal of friendship, queerness, and pastries. He also writes about things like Japanese curry bread and queer bars for The New Yorker. And today we're thrilled to have him on the show to talk about food as a plot device, his favorite okonomiyaki spots in Osaka, and more. Brian Washington, this is Taste. Thank you for coming on the podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having me on. It means a lot.
1: So I have to know, what have you eaten today so far?
0: What have I? <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've eaten nothing today. Actually, it's oh uh, no, great. You know, I feel like I probably should have had a meal at this point, but uh, I've I've nothing yet, just coffee. <laughs>
1: well, it is morning, and after this conversation, you might be a little hungrier. I would imagine.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I've got my fingers crossed.
1: So I'd love to just start out by talking a little bit about how food literally fuels your writing. Do you have any favorite? Writing snacks or meals that you make?
0: Well, in the midst of writing family meal, I was making a lot of quesadillas. And like, this is really just simple, bare bones, like tortilla cheese. Like, sometimes I might add an egg and sometimes like some hot sauce. Uh, but finger foods, anything that's like really tactile and accessible. Um, there used to be um, a, a cafe um, that I lived near, and they would make a taiwanese fried chicken uh, but like bite size you know so i would always like pick up just like a tiny little bag and maybe like um radish cake and like a coffee and that was like what got me through um writing uh quite a lot of uh, the first quarter at least of the family meal but i wrote the book between um houston uh the bay area um and vancouver and i wrote quite a lot of it in la so it really depended on where i was and what snackier places were in the
1: vicinity. Yeah, that sounds like a really good rotation. It's almost like popcorn chicken, right? When you can pop it into your mouth like that.
0: Yes, yeah. Yeah, it made for a nice time.
1: Uh, There's so many good like cooking and eating scenes in the book. Do you ever, like when they're making a konamiyaki, for example, do you go make a konamiyaki or like you don't need to go that far?
0: I usually do and largely because since each of the characters to some degree is using The act of cooking to communicate in a way that they may not necessarily have access to as far as language is concerned. Having a sense of how working through a dish from someone who is maybe a bit more proficient in the kitchen as opposed to someone who's maybe less proficient in the kitchen as opposed to someone who's maybe somewhere in the middle. Describing that on its own without feeling through it would be quite challenging for me, at least. I know that there are people who can do that, but I, I haven't quite cracked the code there. So having a sense of like what that feels like physically, like can someone uh, work through this recipe or work through this dish whilst having a conversation, uh, for example, or to what degree is someone's um, attention going to need to be focused on a particular um, dish? Uh, these are things that I think are easier to elucidate on my end if I'm able to like work through it a few times.
1: So it's like method cooking and writing almost.
0: Yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's more thoughtful than probably what I'm doing. But yeah,
1: yeah I, I like the idea of talking about uh, skill in the kitchen and how that translates into how it's being written, because I think you're right that it is such a big giveaway into like uh, a person's background or maybe like what they're trying to convey with the food. Are there any like food scenes in the book that you think especially represent that?
0: Mm, that's really interesting there's a moment about three quarters away through the book where tj one of the protagonists of the novel has had uh, a sleepover at uh, a friend's place and the following morning uh, that friend's mother uh, makes uh, a meal uh, for tj and it isn't a formal thing isn't the sort of thing that's expected but within i suppose like the architecture of this particular home, like between the moors of this particular home, like you just don't send someone out into the world with having, without having you know, received some sort of nourishment or having received um, some sort of sustenance. So I think that for me, like a challenge for the book has been trying to find different ways to show how people distribute care and how they conceive of care and how they modify that care from context to context, but without doing it in like a didactic way or in the way of like, this is my thesis on care, or like this is a thesis on care for these particular characters.
1: Yeah, definitely. I feel like in that scene that you're talking about, there's also a language barrier, right, between TJ and the grandma or aunt?
0: Yeah, between Nol's and uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, so I remember, like, it's such a nice scene because he's about to kind of, like, slink out the door and leave. And even though, like, there isn't an explicit language, it's, like, pointing to the stove, like, go sit down and eat this before you go, which I think is uh, one of the most, like, pure forms of care that there is probably.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to find a way to bridge like the, the language divide, but like the, the act of wanting to like bridge that divide, I think is super interesting and the sort of thing that I gravitate toward in fiction.
1: Definitely. And I feel like in family meal, food is tied to like these concepts of care and also memory and nostalgia. And I'm curious if any of the foods in the book represent that for you, if there are other foods that maybe kind of trigger these feelings
0: um okonomiyaki is definitely one of the dishes that i have just a lot of touch association with and that i have quite a lot of like I i suppose you could say like memory generally um as far as like associations are concerned i mean to some degree many of the dishes that are alluded to like in the bakery scenes have some sort of like, general association for me. I mean, a a fun thing, I think, for this particular book is that it's not autofiction. Like, very little of it can be, I suppose, like, correlated, like, one-to-one to, to, like, my own direct experience or my own life. But quite a lot of the dishes that are referred to or that are, you know, given uh, page space, like, have had some role in my life, even if it's only because, you know, it's something that I shared with a friend or something that, you know, someone cooked for me, that I cook for them or that, you know, we, we dined um, out. So that was, that was definitely a, a fun portion to like have friends uh, spend time with the book and say, oh, you know, we ate, you know, at so-and-so or we had, you know, XYZ um, dish.
1: Yeah, it's like um, writing someone into a book without actually making a character about them, which is maybe for the best for the friendship, I would say.
0: Yeah, it's, it's ideal. It's a less obnoxious way of uh, acknowledgement.
1: Yeah. And no one is like, wait, do I really talk like that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned ekonomiyaki. I know that Japan often comes up as a theme in your writing. And I'm curious if you could maybe say a little bit about like what your own relationship with Japan is like, um, especially I know you spent time in Osaka.
0: Yeah, this is funny because I just got back maybe uh, a little over 24 hours ago. I've been out of town doing some uh, events out there. Um, I, for me, it is uh, like my gateway into literary fiction, so to speak, was through reading um, Japanese fiction in translation. Um, I wasn't a massive reader until I started reading uh, folks like uh, Benani Yoshimoto or Natsuo Kirino or Yoko Ogawa or Yoko uh, Tawara. Like, those were the folks who like, I was taking thematic cues from and that I was taking uh, pacing cues. From and in the time that has passed I've just been really fortunate to like to have friends and you know to have like my own sort of community out there that have been just really kind and really um, thoughtful so I'm someone who is always interested in the ways that communities function and form and dissolve or like are able to find a way to congeal particularly if they're like structural stressors that make it front-facing uh, as if it were difficult for that to happen, regardless of whether it's, you know, with Houston or Los Angeles or Osaka or, you know, another city. And I, I've just been fortunate to get to spend, like, a, a little bit of time uh, doing that um, in and around
1: Osaka. Definitely. And when you are in Osaka or maybe on this most recent trip, um, where do you like to eat?
0: What I like? To- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm I really – well, it's, it's – uh, it's like a great food city because like it's really difficult to have a bad meal. Like it's just it's really challenging just to have something where you're like mm, like that's that's not what I was thinking of or that's what I ordered. So I'm really at the behest of friends um, more often than not, and we end up at you know whatever izakaya or like whatever udon or like whatever um, mom and pop uh, spot. And like I've it's it's I can't think of like a recent memory where i was like oh like that was like very you know b minus or like very c plus like even if something is like not what i expected like it's always been like really really good and like uh really really thoughtful so i've been fortunate in, uh, in that regard
1: yeah that sounds really great i know that osaka has so many like rich food traditions are there any dishes that like you have to have when you're back in osaka or feel like especially tied to the area
0: mm, well okonomiyaki is definitely tied to the area but like quite a lot of people just make it at home in love of, like yeah. eating. Um, it, it out um so maybe i'd say takoyaki um like uh, it is like a bit of a, a tourist thing to do but going to dotonbori and just like hanging out at like a, a takoyaki stall and just like passing through um really quick it like scratches a niche. even though it's, it's something that's kind of like okay like you've done it once and you know it's time to do something else yeah you know?
1: yeah but like i live in new york and i eat a bagel probably once a week you know like sometimes it's, sure. it's maybe right
0: <laughs> sure, sure
1: um so uh, speaking of the book how do you know if somebody looks like they drink tea
0: that's hilarious uh i think for that particular uh scene it was meant to allude to just like the wisdom of, like, this older person that was uh, sitting <laughs> next to Kai more so. People asked me this question, uh, and I didn't know that it would be, like, such a point of, like, contention, like, you know, the, the aura or, like, the energy of, like, a, a tea drinker. But I think it was just, um, like, this, you know, this much older person who is uh, sitting alongside Kai and just seeing him being, like, really contented and just being really, um, I suppose, composed and just sort of making uh, that judgment call. So it was more, um, the intention, at least, was more uh, touching than cheek than uh, meant to be uh, prescriptive but it has been interesting uh, talking to folks uh, about that like tiny moment it's always fascinating like which moments uh, folks uh, let stick stick with them
1: do a lot of people ask you that
0: yeah I've gotten this question like five or six times <laughs> like out of readings like people will yeah. come out because you know out for a little while now and you know folks will you know it's like hey like so how did how do you he know you're he drinking tea it's like I <laughs>
1: i was reading this passage i really thought i was going to ask you like a question you had not been asked already because that really stuck with me and i guess for listeners who haven't read family meal kai is on the plane and he's sitting next to like an older mexican man who offers to share tea with him and and he says how did you know that and he said oh you just looked like a tea drinker and i think to me the reason why that resonates is it's this idea of like finding solidarity with people or recognition over like something that you both love and share and tea also is um such a rich thing to get into. Um, Like I would not really consider myself a tea expert, but I'm always drinking tea. So to me, there's also this question of like, what does it even mean to be a tea drinker? Are you someone that knows about the third steep of oolong or are you just somebody that is cold and wants to drink something warm, you know?
0: That's really interesting. I, I certainly slot into like the latter. And that like I'm someone who's constantly cold and I know that tea is probably going to, to warm me up. So I think I've become like an inadvertent uh, tea enthusiast, but not someone who could speak um, at length about it at all.
1: Well, if you were going to order tea, do you have any favorites?
0: Oh God, like I, I, again, like I'm so boring. Like it, it, people ask me and I just say like, just, just hot tea. And they say, do you want anything in it? And I say, no, just like just just regular tea. Um, yeah, I wish I had a more thoughtful answer there, but I truly just trying to warm up.
1: <laughs> I get that. I'm, I'm drinking Earl Grey tea right now, actually. So I also wanted to talk to you about the way that you include the pandemic in the book because I found it to be really interesting. Like sometimes when I read a contemporary, like post-pandemic, fiction, there's this question of like, did the pandemic happen in this world? I think that's maybe like a choice that you have to make. And the way that it gets introduced in family meal is through the bakery and like the bakery's success for people that are used to, um, you know, going to get a pastry every day. So I'm curious, like, did you ever debate including the pandemic in the book? And why did you choose to include it in the context of the bakery?
0: Mm, that's a great question. It wasn't for me a question of whether or not I would include it. Um, I've said this elsewhere, but I was pretty deep into a draft uh, prior to the outset of uh, 2020. And once you know things started shutting down, events started being canceled, and our sort of like travel um, revolutions uh, became curtailed, the draft that I was writing I didn't feel as if though the emotional weight of the moment could align or was being aligned uh, with what was on the page so i ended up uh, scrapping um, the entirety of that draft um, except for um, two characters uh, tj and cam and uh, the scene that uh, the novel ends on which i won't go into it at length uh, was you know originally the beginning of the narrative and it became the end um, of the narrative. So, the challenge I, I think for me became uh, was there a way to capture, like to describe, like the uh, emotional enormity of this particular um, moment or like a specific iteration of the emotional enormity of this particular moment? siphon it through um, each of these characters in very specific ways? Uh, because I also knew that um, food service or a component of food service would have like a pretty big role in family meal, um, it would have felt, I think, uh, intellectually dishonest not to allude to the ways in which the uh, food service or like this, this particular um, lane inside of food service, like were impacted by uh, the pandemic and have been impacted and continue to be impacted uh, um, by the pandemic. Um, I think trying to do that or trying to like find ways to do that. Without it being or feeling as if though so, it was a like an assignment, or like something that I was like hitting the reader over the head with as like needing to be um, an essential component of the narrative was was definitely uh, top of mind in the midst of drafting.
1: Definitely, you said that you knew that you wanted food service to be a component of the book. Where did that idea come from?
0: Mm, I knew that I wanted to write a narrative about characters that wanted to communicate their love for one another, a platonic love, um, but love nonetheless. um, And that was stacked atop this question of like, what, does you know a queer platonic love look like or what forms can it take or what forms can queer friendship take, particularly when there are characters who do not have um, the lexicon for expressing that care or for expressing uh, that friendship for one another. Um, I think that in quite a lot of ways, like cuisine or the sharing of a meal, probably more specific, um, can act as a shorthand for reaching uh, questions or for entering conversations that might feel a bit Structurally clunky um, to uh, place in front of the reader. Um, otherwise, like because uh, sustenance is like essential for each of us, like each reader, each member of the audience, although perhaps to varying degrees, but like essential nonetheless. Like we all need sustenance to some degree. Um, having that as a sort of like foreground or a foundation um, to lead into or to segue into questions of okay, you know, what does care look like? What does care look like for these specific folks? What if you know the care that we feel is necessary, um, is not actually what someone else needs or not actually what someone else wants or what if the care that we want, what if that changes over time and now you know we're, we're sort of like in this liminal period or this liminal space of uh, not quite knowing what we want but knowing that it isn't what we've been told that we should want um each of these questions doesn't really have concrete answers and i'm not particularly interested in uh ascribing or um ending up with concrete answers but furthering the question i think is, is what's most fascinating uh to me and having like that shorthand again of like sustenance to fall back onto or uh, the commerce um, and, you know, the food trade to fall back onto that is so familiar uh, to so many of us acts as like a sort of uh, a really useful um, landing spot as we pass from like transition point to transition point of those questions.
1: Yeah, I definitely see that. And I think it's interesting that a bakery is the food business that the book is centered around because it's not necessarily like as essential for your sustenance as, say, like a grocery store or a place where you can get dinner. But at the same time, I think because it has that kind of extra level to it, it is like that much more of care or something like that.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad. Like a question that was also top of mind for me was uh, one of uh, what pleasure looked like for each of these characters and how pleasure changes forms for person to person as like their context shifts or as their understanding of like themselves or the people around them can shift and having a location you know that is in many ways front facing is like a conduit of pleasure like a bakery like all sorts of warm associations and positive associations for like a literal um bakery Um, having that act as a sort of uh landing spot for these other conversations um about pleasure that may not necessarily be as uh, immediately discernible or front-facing as immediately um discernible felt like it would be really useful for like me structurally
1: yeah and i think the gay bar also does a very similar thing in that way
0: yeah yeah the yeah the gay bar does a similar thing like uh, this question of like uh how queer spaces serve as points of pleasure or can serve as points of pleasure and like for who specifically are these locales opening themselves up to as sources of pleasure grade like are marginalized folks folks of color are they having access to the same amounts or the same kinds of pleasure in these spaces are trans or like non-binary folks like are they privy to the same amount of pleasure or the same access points of pleasure in these spaces. So like into what degree are the different folks who like occupy like these spaces that are front-facing again as like sources of pleasure, like sites of pleasure for everyone who spends time in them. Um, is that actually true? Um, depending on like your level or like stratum of marginalization, like inside of that actual um, space, uh, these can be uh, again uh, clunky questions. Like to proffer to like a reader or to an audience is sort of like cold. Uh, so having a sort of like visage through which um, to you know begin. Serve as a foundation. It has been useful uh, for me.
1: Yeah, I really liked all of those sections, and like as somebody who's queer myself, I really love the dialogue that the queer characters have. Like, it sounds so natural. Do you just like walk around eavesdropping on people? Like, how do you write dialogue (laughs) in that way? No,
0: no, no. I have uh, I have friends who are much funnier and much thoughtful, much more thoughtful, and much smarter. Uh, than me, so it isn't it's it's not a matter of like eavesdropping or even taking you know what what other folks have said so much as just trying to be um, as mindful as possible about how the ear picks up dialogue and what specifically is like sticking with an ear it's like it's kind of a, a tricky thing in that if we were to like transcribe. Um, everything that we, you know, said over the course of a day, ninety-nine um, percent of it would just be just horrible dialogue. It would just be like absolutely asinine to like sit there and read. But having, I suppose, like a clear, clearer sense of like who the characters are and like what they're actually wanting in lieu of like what they may be saying or what they're presenting as wanting in lieu of like what they actually. Uh, want and trying to write into um, that crease or trying to write around like those particular creases, I think, is something that has always been really important to me and has become more important to me as I continue to spend time uh, with characters that are talking at each other. And also just trying to keep in mind that these characters may be new to the reader, they may be new to an audience, but they're not new to the world necessarily, and they may not necessarily be new, so to speak, to the person that they're speaking to. So there's a shorthand that already exists between these characters even though these are ideas that might be introduced as uh, new ideas or new facts or new details to like a reader to an audience who's not spent time with these characters they know each other they knew each other and they're forming new opinions on top of like that foundation or that pre-existing foundation so trying to treat um characters as if though you know they're actually People who, who were full of like contradiction and complication, of like, I'm this is a character that Brian is writing to show, you know, XYZ theme. I think uh, is always a challenge, but it's something that's really important to me.
1: Yeah, I think the intimacy that comes out of that is really beautiful. Um, and to close, I want to ask you, well, I want to play a game, but first, I want to ask you about one of my favorite food moments in the book which is the experience of eating a chocolate chip cookie stoned for the first time. Uh, Is that (laughs) coming from personal experience?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I should say no, but yeah. (laughs) I mean, any sort of warm, baked treat when you have like a nice, like mild high is, uh, I think that that's, you know, that's it. Like that's, you know, can't do much better.
1: Yeah. And I love how in the book, it's like the, the dad who's caught them smoking, right? And then who sits them down, feeds them the cookie and watches. I think that made me realize that if I'm a parent, that's exactly what I'm going to have to do to my kids. <laughs>
0: yes. Yes. You know that, that I think that that is like a step in the right direction.
1: <laughs> so, okay. I want to play like this little rapid fire taste check with you. So I'll give you a category and you can just tell me what comes into your head. Mm, cool? cool. Okay. Awesome. Favorite cookbook.
0: Um, oh, I can give three. Um, okay. One same is- fast. Sorry. Um, All about eggs, which is the anthology by Rachel Kong. uh, Japanese soul cooking by Tadashi Ono and Harris Salat, and uh, the "Cook as You Are" by Ruby Tando.
1: Okay, favorite non cookbook food book, however you want to interpret that.
0: Kitchen by Benani Yoshimoto.
1: Favorite bookstore?
0: Loneliness Books, which is a queer bookshop in Tokyo. Cool.
1: Favorite bar?
0: Ripcord, which is a queer bar in Houston.
1: Favorite Houston restaurant?
0: Uh, Houston Bane.
1: Favorite restaurant in Osaka?
0: Don Taku Doyama, which is a nice uh, okonomiyaki spot. And they also have other kinds of like izakaya food.
1: Nice. Um, go-to bakery item in like your dream bakery that has every item?
0: A good choro. Um, and I would say La Guadalupana, which is a bakery um, in uh, Houston. Or, or alternatively, there's a place called Alem's Coffee in the East Bay. And they just have like the most delicious bread and coffee.
1: Cool. A restaurant that you wish could be your neighborhood restaurant.
0: There is a restaurant called Los Tacos Azules in uh, Tokyo, um, in the neighborhood, uh, San Um They have just phenomenal tacos. They're, they're so good. Or... Alternatively, uh, Pizza de uh, which is like a pizza spot in uh, Los Angeles. that it just has some of the best pizza I've ever had in my life.
1: Yeah, I'm from L.A., so hearing that you love the tacos in Japan makes me really excited.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're great. I mean, this place, those tacos, like they're they're phenomenal. Yeah, they're great.
1: I trust you. Um, and to close, a fictional food scene that you wish you could eat. Yeah,
0: so the very end of a uh, Chang-Rae Lee's novel, um, My Year Abroad, um, a young man that the protagonist has been living with turns out to be like this Thai chef prodigy. And they're all sharing, you know, the wares that, you know, this, this, this person is cooked. So um, getting to sit in that room and like take part like in uh, the, the meal that he's uh, crafted, that would be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. And Brian, this was so much fun. Thank you for writing such a great book and talking about it with me.
0: Thank you so much for your thoughtfulness. Thank you so much for, for having me on.
1: This is Taste is hosted by Matt Rodbard and me, Eliza Abarbanel. The show is produced by Shalia Harris and Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter for updates on all cool things happening.